What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Modern Day Sniper Podcast. My name is Philip, your host. Um, for those that's joining in for the first time, the Modern Day Sniper Podcast is that podcast for that modern day rifleman looking for relevant information into the art of long range shooting. You know, whether you're a law enforcement, military sniper, hunter, long range competitor, or even just a long range enthusiast, you're listening to this podcast because deep down inside, your goal is to master the craft of being a precision rifleman. Uh, here at Modern Day Sniper, we dubbed the concept putting mindfulness behind the rifle, uh, which ultimately means being conscious of what your overall intentions are every time you connect with that rifle. Another thing with uh, putting mindfulness behind the rifle is understanding that ego is the enemy. You have to lower your ego in order for us to evolve uh, and learn new things and stuff like that and being open to new ideas because at the end of the day, it all translates into us being better at our craft um, and the pursuit of mastering it. Whether you're a hunter looking to extend your range um, on ethical kill shots, whether you're a competitive shooter looking you know, for your first competition or maybe you're that uh, mid-pack shooter looking to uh, break into the podium, uh, or if you're just that sniper that wants to be that go-to sniper, this is a podcast for you. And hopefully, you know, as this modern-day sniper concept grows, uh, you'll be able to relate to everything that Kalen and I talk about. You know, one thing that Kalen and I talk about as well is understanding that although uh, Kalen and I are the face of modern-day sniper and we're your hosts, um, that doesn't mean that, you know, modern-day sniper just stops at, you know, Phil Vallejo and Kalen Wojcik. Um, if you refuse to be dogmatic and are in the search of the deeper understanding and out there seeking information, uh, you too are a modern day sniper and or modern day rifleman. And at the end of the day, you know, what we talk about in our podcasts uh, are our truths that we found because at the end of the day, it's, it's not our way or the highway. Uh, we are forever students in this craft that no one is a master of. Uh, we're just willing to share our experience with you and hope that this information uh, you're able to use as a, as a baseline for reference and that ultimately you go out there and you find your own truth. So uh, with that, we've got a, a special episode for you today. Kaylin is still on vacation. For those that have listened to us since day one from the Instructor's Corners and Gunworks podcast and now uh, the Modern Day Cyber podcast, you know, it's usually Kaylin and I going back and forth and stuff like that. <laughs> so today we've got uh, a special guest, um, one of our students that I'm going to put in the hot seat because, you know, um, and, and this student has no sniper background, right? So It'll be good for, I think, uh, some of the audience that doesn't have the background of sniping that essentially is looking to figure out his place in the you know, long-range shooting community. Again, with, whether you're an enthusiast or you're a competitor, and this is really where this podcast is going, is more competitive-driven for that uh, long-range shooter looking to make his way to the podium. Uh, but we're going to put... Uh, our good friend and, and our student, Michael Lilly, in the hot seat. Mike, how you doing, buddy? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Um, and, and thanks for taking time to uh, come talk to us about kind of your journey and sharing with everyone here in our audience uh, kind of your experiences. So uh, first and foremost, do you want to go ahead and just introduce yourself real quick? Uh, yeah, sure. So not really great at this, but uh, for those of you that don't know me, uh, Michael Lilly, I'm one of the team MDT shooters. I've been on the uh, MDT team for two years now, um, operating out of the Pacific Northwest, um, kind of started shooting the national matches last year. And this year I've got a pretty full schedule. So, you know, work willing, I'll be able to, to get out and shoot more national matches this year. 
So uh, Mike's in the military, um, you know, so he, uh, how long have you been uh, in the army now, Mike? Uh, 18 years. Wow. Started, starting to get down towards the end. You know, it's funny is people always ask me, and I know this is going down the rabbit hole that uh, we just talked about. I always go down, but uh, you know, it allows it to, again, be a free flowing conversation and not so structured with me just answering a bunch of questions. But everyone always asks me like, Hey, why'd you get out of 10 years? You know, um, it's all downhill from there. And you probably see it a lot more than I do, but you know, right at right when I picked up staff, you know, the, uh, you know, staff and CEO, um, you know, I just saw all the politics behind it. And, you know, for me, especially, um, being a single dad, and what I mean by single dad is just having my daughter full time by myself. You know, I wanted just more time with my daughter and stuff like that. And, and that's obviously no excuse because you've got, you know, two awesome kids of yourself on your own. And um, I'm sure we'll get into that. But yeah, how, how's that 18 years? I mean, yeah, I don't think you should use the word like there's no excuse, man. Everybody has their motivations and their goals. And, um, you know, you made your decision for your family and, you know, you've served your country honorably, honorably and deployed and trained and mentored snipers. Like, I don't think anybody could ever question any of that. Yeah. So I think you got to get past that, like feeling like you, you quit or something. Um, I love what I do. Um, and when I stop loving what I do, I will get out. Um, obviously at 18 years being that close to retirement, I'm not going to, you know, get out tomorrow. Um, but no, I, I just love what I do. So yeah. that's, that's why I'm here. Do you see the light? Yeah, I for sure can see the light. And, uh, you know, a lot of my friends have gotten out ahead of me and they're all telling me how great life is on the other side. And it I seems mean, look, pretty awesome. Look at Scott retired. All he does is shoot for a living. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's yeah, Scott's think, living his best I, life I, I right now. I think that's the, the precision rifle dream. <laughs> yeah. Scott is definitely living his best uh, life. Right Scott, now. we does. love you. We love you, man. Uh, thanks for setting the bar for all of us, uh, general purpose people, but, um, cool. Uh, so, you know, first question of, of, you know, any kind of interview, I, I think in the, one question that always intrigues me, especially, uh, in, with shooting is how you specifically got into long range shooting. You know, um, it's a no brainer why Kaylin and I got into long range shooting because we wanted, obviously it was a part of our job and stuff like that. And, especially on the competitive side, we saw, and we talk about all the time, we saw the the competition side fill a lot of the training gaps that we have in the military. Um, but what's always nice for me to see is with uh, shooters, military and civilian that have no background to really, to drive them, I guess, you know what I mean? To be better at, you know, maybe sniping or whatever. So for you, what, what got you into long range shooting? Actually, it was a, uh... I don't know if I've ever told this story. You know, it was a little bit of a failure. I went out hunting with a friend. I didn't grow up hunting, so I was learning hunting as a as an adult. And uh, had a shot on a deer at 400 yards, and my buddy's like, "Oh, just you know, hold on his back and and you know, make a good press." And I I missed. Thank God. I'm glad I didn't wound him and you know leave a hurt animal out there. Um, and I was pretty pissed off about it. And those of you that know me know that I don't like to fail at anything. So I started doing some research on how to be, you know, a better shot. Um, started, you know, down the internet rabbit hole, uh, got onto Sniper's Hide, which was uh, around back then. We're talking 2000, I want to say nine time frame. Found, you know, through some various connections, Kalen Wojcik was teaching a course at 
up in Washington for his company, Central Cascade Precision at the time. Um, and then I just happened to catch him as he was transitioning over to Magpul, so I had to wait a little while. Ended up taking one of his courses, um, fell in love with shooting, man. Just absolutely fell in love with ringing steel really far away. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. So I took like his uh, level one and his level two course, and then I liked it so much, uh, my wife expressed interest keely, so I took her to his his level one course, and then that was how she got her start too. We ended up moving PCSing to Korea for a little while, so obviously I, I couldn't shoot, I couldn't take my guns, we were there for three years. I uh, came back in 2015, and uh, a, a guy at work was like, hey man, I'm going to go shoot you know, my new precision rifle you want to go I was like, yeah man i'd love to go i haven't I haven't touched one in forever got out started shooting remembered how much i loved it started getting on the interwebs and found um, a facebook page for the regional series up here um stepped out there kind of threw my ego out and went out there and got my butt kicked for a little while and it just stoked the love and it's been i haven't looked back since uh, i'm glad you brought that out there um because i get the question asked all the time it's like hey phil um i'm a long-range enthusiast and you're really driving me to to go out and compete um do you only local know any local uh matches guys there's so much information out there right um and so that's why i'm glad you brought that up you know check uh, sniper side you know it's i mean it's not a shameless plug everyone hopefully that is listening and to this podcast already knows about that site that's where i've gotten all my information from but check out sniper side really uh because they're always posting um local matches and stuff like that especially if you're not a part of the facebook groups yet um but uh, that's really how you start getting into the the local stuff right uh, so i'm really glad you, you brought that up mike and again i mean as much as i want to answer everyone's questions i just don't have time to filter and and especially if you're on the east coast you know i know some east coast shooters but you know if you're like in the northeast or whatever um you know the only way i can help you is by pointing in the direction of, of sniper side um and kind of looking at uh the uh you know the search button which is not ever used enough um so yeah uh, another rabbit hole but i, I think it's a, a definitely a good talking point of how someone that's looking to like you did get into competitive shooting, you know, that, that the first step, right? Well, yeah, back when I started social media, wasn't around really, or it wasn't as big. So sniper side was the only resource, but there's a lot of resources out there through social media or, you know, just DMing, you know, a shooter. Yeah. If, if, especially if you're in the Pacific Northwest, that's one thing that I made a comment to you guys uh, and Kalen. Um, Cause Mike, you're in the uh, Pacific Northwest. Um, with Kalen, how far away are you from Kalen? About two and a half hours. Yeah, two and a half hours. Uh, and you know, one thing I, I made a note last year is like, you guys are, you guys have hella matches out there. I say hella yeah. like a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> Complete millennial comment. But uh, yeah, so Jesse Riddell is kind of the director of all things precision rifle competition up here. He's done a fantastic job of mentoring us. Um, he took over recently from uh, the, the infamous Kevin Ditto uh, a couple of years ago. And he's got a Google calendar that has every match in the country on it um, that he knows about. So it's got our Northwest Border Wars. It's got Rifleman's Team Challenge. It's got PRS uh, National and Regional Series. It's got the NRL in there. If there's a match going on, he's got it on this Google calendar. And if, uh, if your guys need it, just at the end, I'll give you my uh, Insta or Facebook, and they can DM me, and I'll, I'll send that out because, you know, the information is great to have. Cool. 
No, I appreciate you uh, sharing that with us. First off, you know, Jesse, thanks for everything you do for the shooting community. You know, one thing that uh, really sticks out with me every time I shoot a Pacific Northwest match is that uh, you and your wife are always ROing the matches out there. So, um, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, thanks for everything you do for the uh, the shooting community. Going back to you, Mike, when you talk about how you kind of took a break there because you were, you know, in in uh, in with uh, South Korea um, for a little bit you actually started getting into long range shooting about the time that I was actually joining the cyber community, 2009, actually 09 was when I went to school. Um, so, you know, essentially we've been kind of at the game uh, the same amount of time, even after that three, three year gap, like what motivated you to like, be like, Oh, you know, time to get back on the rifle. You know what I mean? Like what motivates you even to, even to this day, because again, you're not a sniper by, by trade, but what motivates you to continue to hone the craft of being a rifleman? Um, I would say I'm just a very internally motivated person. I, I love shooting. I love the community. I love going and hanging out with all my friends from all over the country at matches. That's one of the highlights. But, you know, I, I really love competing. Um, you know, I got into it to improve my hunting, but I'm one of those people, and I don't, I don't know how rare or not rare it is. If you were to say, hey, you can go on this hunt or you can go to this competition, I'm going to choose the competition. I know there's a lot of other people out there that would not do that, but that's just me. I love competing and I love shooting. Um, so I would say it's a very internally driven motivation. Uh, do you think it hurts your ego at all when you um, don't finish as well as, you know, going into a match? I wouldn't say it hurts my ego. I think that you have to understand that you are not just going to pick up a rifle, go to a national match and beat the top shooters in the world. I've only been doing this for a little while competitively. I'm in my, you know, second year of competing at the national level for me to expect to go out there and beat the dudes that exist at the top of this sport that have been putting in the work for years and years and years. I mean, focused, dedicated work is a little bit unreasonable. Am I closing the gap? Am I getting better? Am I consistently starting to place a little better? Yes. Am I, you know, can I go out on any given day and beat somebody? I would say yes. I think we're all capable of that. The name of this game, though, is consistency. You know, those guys at the top, they don't have bad stages. They may have, like, a bad shot or a bad couple shots, but they don't, like, screw up whole stages. Um, and so I'm still in that learning process where I am getting better, and I think that it's really just about accepting that and being driven to improve it. Another, another question for you is when you took Kalen's class in 2009 up until this point now, what's changed in your shooting style? And what I mean by that is when I was first introduced to long range shooting again in the Marine Corps, my style has changed completely. I mean, even from the first time I shot a rifle to when I went to the schoolhouse and then even when I was at the schoolhouse starting to compete, I would say it just evolved and changed three times. So what would you say that um, has remained the same since Galen's class in 09? And, like what you've carried on and what you do differently now? Uh, what I do differently now is a 30-pound rifle, eight-ounce triggers, and free recoil all day long. <laughs> Somewhere on a beach in Costa Rica, Kalen just had like a heart attack. But in seriousness, like the, the fundamentals that Kalen instilled in me back in the very beginning, I still strive to improve on it. Um, one of my big... Uh, AR comments from the NRL and PRS finales last year was I needed to really work on long range out past 900 to a thousand yards. Um, 
spotting misses and making better wind calls. So that's what I've been working on, which is very fundamental in nature. And it went all the way back to um, trigger press, recoil management. Um, you know, you and I spent, what was it, probably about an hour FaceTiming back and forth, just working on bolt manipulation. So really going back to the basics is kind of my focus this year. Um, as far as what has stayed the same, I'm really strive to be good fundamentally. I'm still working on it. I still have holes, but uh, I think what has changed is competitive shooting is different. When I took the, the course um, back in the day, it was mostly belly shooting. Um, there were a couple emphasis on like tripods and stuff like that, but it was, you know, back in the day when we were more worried about like it was said, the course was designed around making you a better marksman to make you a better shooter and hunter. It was not designed to shoot barricades and tank traps and, and all those other things. So I would say competitive shooting is very, very different from now than how courses were ran back then. Yeah, I think the, I mean, Frank Galley talks about it all the time. I, I, I would consider Frank Galley and guys like Terry Cross, even Kalen and OG in this uh, shooting sport. And, you know, we talk about all the time how the uh, competition um, has evolved into a sport, which is fine, right? I, I say that all the time. It's fine because I play the game too. Um, and I think it's important to understand that it yes, is a game. It is a game, right? It, it's very different than a guy going out protecting his, you know, platoon mates or, you yeah. know, saving somebody's life as an LEO sniper. It yep. is a game. Oh. So guys need to kind of relax a little bit yes. <laughs> and understand that it's a game. You can still take practical information um, from a game, from the game. You sure. know what I mean? 100% as long as in, in, in we, Kalen and I talk about this all the time is perspective, right? Having perspective. And when you come into the match of what you want to take out of it, you know, what you want to get out of it. And really, you know, like I said, you know, uh, competition is an ultimate measuring stick of your current capability. You know, the foundation that Kalen essentially set for you is now that baseline and the reference for you to always reference off. Right. You know, so that, as you start to experiment with new things and stuff like that, or, you know, as, as rifles get heavier, uh, calibers, you know, uh, recoil gets lighter, right. It still doesn't hide the fact that you still need to apply fundamentals in order to drive the rifle system, um, to the best of its capability. Right. You were shooting a 308 in this class. Yeah. Okay. Old Remington 700 308. <laughs> Is that your first rifle? It was. Uh, real quick, can you talk about uh, your first rifle uh, compared to your, your rifle that you use now? So my first rifle uh, was a 700 Police. Um, it came in like an HSS, H&S Precision Stock, and it was very snipery cool back then. Uh, an old Leupold Mark V, or Mark IV, excuse me, with the M5 turret, so it was mil-mil. Um, so I started off mil-mil right off the bat, and I'm super glad that I did. And it also had a Horace reticle in there because I had done some research. And, you know, at the time when I read into it, it, it seemed like a great idea, um, which I still carry over. I still use Christmas tree reticles. So I would say right off the bat, um, I was better set up than a lot of guys that come in with like a duplex reticle and, you know, a mill reticle with an MOA, you know, turret and stuff like that. Um, so set up for success, went to Kalen's course and I saw, uh, everything from the guys with the Remington triangle barrels. You remember those? Yeah. And then uh, all the way up to guys had a, you know, like LaRue OBRs and there was, you know, a guy with a super custom rifle in there. I thought was cool. 
so I got to kind of get exposed to all the different stuff that was out there and I got to look through some some betters glass I got to see some better stuff and you know I think it really helped me honestly not waste money because I took a, a basic setup to the course saw all this stuff and said oh I kind of like that I kind of like that and then after the course I had a decent perspective as to what I needed and or didn't need if that makes sense uh, that's that's awesome I think that's very equivalent now to, to guys showing up to a match with or just going to a match with what they have you know what yeah. I mean and 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 I you know I talked about it in my last my last podcast by myself is like you can never truly prepare for your first match just like you can n- never truly prepare for your first um, class you know what I mean um, I when so for Gomer's Long Range University um, when someone registers for a class and stuff like that, I'll send out my initial emails and, you know, tell them, Hey, I'm excited to have you and stuff. And, you know, there's usually like two or three guys that are really uh, intimidated because they think that they're coming to class and they're going to be super like new guy. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, I like, I don't know from you know, like I know that the bullet goes out of this way and that, you know, the triggers here, but that's the extent of my knowledge of, of, of long range shooting. And I let them know it's like, Hey, like this course is designed you to not go from zero to hero but understand just the, the basics of long range and everyone's going to be on the same page you are you know what i mean and in the well, exposure to um you know what gears out there yeah i think it goes back to you really just have to let the put the ego down like you're paying money to go to a course to learn yeah like that's the instructor's job to teach you to impart knowledge and you are there to learn you are not going to effectively be a good student if you show up with all these preconceived notions and your ego and you're worried that if you miss, somebody's going to judge you, just let it go, show up, absorb the knowledge and leave better for it. I mean, that's all, that's all it is. It's all about being a good student. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that's one thing that we wanted to talk about on another time is how to be a good student and have a, you know, how to have what, what uh, having an open mind truly means. So now your Remington 700, what has it evolved to today? Uh, it's evolved to, I'm extremely spoiled. So I have a full custom rig. <laughs> I thought you were going to say broke. <laughs> yeah, well, that too. Uh, full custom rig. Uh, Matt Yor at Sawtooth Rifles took me under his wing a couple of years ago. And uh, he's just been a phenomenal resource for me. So I shoot um, in a custom built you know, with top of the line components, competition rifle, you know, I have a lone peak action, which has been phenomenal this year. That was a, a switch this year, proof barrels, MDT chassis, obviously, cause I'm, I'm on team MDT, uh, trigger tech diamond trigger and night force optics. Like I, I mean, I'm sure there's guys that will argue that you could get better stuff, but I would argue back that you, I, I don't think you can like, and that's not a plug for my sponsors or whatever. Like I truly believe in everything I shoot. If it didn't work, um, I wouldn't use it because I am trying to get to the top where every point matters. And I can't ever see myself using something that doesn't work just because somebody's, you know, sponsoring me because nobody's getting rich in this game. Well, the thing is, is you've been at this for 11 years now, right? And eventually you took the route to evolve, you know what I mean? Yeah. And right you, there comes a point when you start to shoot so much as often you know um again in, in you you weren't that just typical 
long range enthusiast or, you know, rifle shooter that was maybe shooting once, um, maybe, you know, once a month or whatever. And it, it seems like you were actively engaged in trying to, you know, go to the range every opportunity that you could based off of your time. You know what I mean? So because of all the hours and practice you put in the class that you went to and stuff like that, you eventually saw that, okay, uh, my rifle is hindering me, uh, from, you know, uh, my essentially shooting ability. Right. You know, just like, you know, I tell, I, I, I get the question asked a lot, like, Hey, you have all these fancy rifles. Well, why don't you shoot a, you know, what about a budget rifle? You think you can do the same thing? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I could. But when I go to a competition, it's like asking Dale Earnhardt Jr. To race a Honda Civic in NASCAR 500. <laughs> I think for me, um, when I built up the rifle, I wouldn't say that when I built up my first custom rig with Matt, that I the rifle was holding me back at that point. I would yeah. say that my ability had not surpassed my rifle. But when I talked to Matt, um, and he, he never tried to like push or sell it to me, he broke it down for me in that it's eliminating variables. Yes, like for good. you to improve, you have to know that you missed because of the wind or you missed because of you but you should never doubt whether it was your setup, your dope, or your, like your ammo. If you can eliminate that variable and only have either it was environmental conditions or it was me, that will enable you to grow and progress. Because when you're chasing equipment problems, it is the most frustrating thing in the world, not knowing why you missed. It's a big waste of your time, right? It's a, it's a great investment to your knowledge bank, but at the same time, it's, a, it's, a, it's also a big waste of your time. Absolutely. When you're, when you're uh, chasing and stuff like that, I, I completely agree. I like that um, is eliminating variables. That's a great, really great way to look at it. Uh, and again, guys, you know, you don't have to go out there and you buy a super expensive kit for your first one. Um, I'm all about living within your means of your budget. You know what I mean? Um, but you have to ask yourself when you get into this sport, um, you know, what, I mean, there's no such thing. If you're getting into competition, there's no such thing as a budget rifle, really. I guess it's different for everyone, right? Uh, someone wants to go to a competition to maybe, you know, learn just better about themselves, but usually that's when it plants the bug. It's rare for me to hear a shooter that goes to a competition is like, Oh, F this. Um, I'm, I'm done with this. You know what I mean? Uh, those are usually those keyboard warriors on sniper side that I talked about. Um, wearing the super uh, pink yoga pants, uh, ordering a, you know, latte at Starbucks. <laughs> um, but you know, those for are the, the people that made me make that video, uh, the pro shooters on the internet video. Yeah. That's, that's what inspired that video. Um, but you know, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I, I have yet to find shooters that are, are continually competing, um, that, you know, that talk bad about the sport. Um, no. and it, it's super awesome to see, the growth of it. It's super awesome to see the growth of it at the local level. You know what I mean? So again, guys, um, you know, live, you know, amongst your means, um, you know, even if you have to start off with a budget rifle, kind of like uh, Mike did, right. And eventually you're going to know when, it, you know, it's time to essentially upgrade and evolve and stuff like that. And, and that's where I always recommend, um, you know, starting with your local shops, right? Like Matt, your was local to you. He was at the time. He, he abandoned me and moved um, away to Utah. So, you know, there's a lot of great local gunsmiths that, you know, travel nationally that I talk to and stuff like that. And, and usually, you know, on, on my social media, when I get uh, plugs, um, like, hey, do you recommend, uh, I'm in this area, who do you recommend? And, you know, if I've met a gunsmith in that area, that's who I usually recommend. You know what I mean? Because Absolutely. I know that's important to that local 
uh, local area. So, and having a relationship with the guy, yeah, you know, yeah. being able to talk back and forth. I would say, like, if you're a new shooter, because I get this question all the time too. Um, Akili gets it even more because she's so approachable. Uh, I'm a new shooter. You know, what do you recommend? My recommendation is run what you run, show up to a local PRS competition, just a re, you know, there's a lot of them. They're like 20 to 40 bucks, come out, beat up somebody's steel, see whether you like it or not. You know, everybody's so good on letting you borrow bags or borrow tripods or borrow spotters to, to use during the match. Like come out see if you enjoy it. If you enjoy it, the next best money you can spend is getting proper instruction. Because when you go to these courses, it'll lay a foundation that will save you lots and lots of money in learning A, what you need and don't need, and B, in ammo that you're going to spend trying to figure it out yourself, and time, which is the most precious commodity you have. So go shoot, see if you like it. If you like it, go get a course. After the course, then if you want to upgrade and spend money, absolutely do it. That, that would be the route that I recommend. That's actually a, um, very similar to what Frank Galley recommended for guys that are looking to get into long range shooting is, you know, go to your first local match, figure out kind of like establish your baseline and then go to a course, um, which I think is, is pretty solid. You know what I mean? Rather than going to a course first. I mean, it, either way, it doesn't hurt going to a class first. You know what I mean? I agree. Um, so cool. Well, that's awesome. Um, you just finished up with your first match, I believe, at Down at Rifles Only. Um, first match of the year. First yeah. match, of the, sorry, first match of the year, uh, Rifles Only. So you and I shot that last year. Jacob Bynum is awesome, godfather in this uh, shooting community. Um, if you guys listen to Modern Day Sniper podcast, I'm sure Frank talks about him all the time. Um, and, you know, Kaylin and I talk about him as well in our podcast. But, uh, you know, Jacob Bynum um, was my first civilian instructor. Um, while I was still in the Marine Corps, I just graduated cyber school in 2011 and went through Jacob Bynum's course down in rifles only. Um, and one thing that he was able to do was um, deliver, well, he, he was able to reinforce a lot of the fundamentals that were taught at cyber school and also expound on the why behind them. Does that make sense? Um, Absolutely. You know, I had uh, phenomenal instructors. Um, at cyber school, uh, but some of them still couldn't answer the why, um, you know, and it, it not probably not because of a, um, you know, there, I mean, there's so much other things, obviously sniper instructors have to worry about. Um, and, you know, I'm sure they got sick of asking, you know, all these pigs asking them, you know, why this, why that? <laughs> so they just got sick of it. And then just, you know, it just became a generic answer, but with Jacob, you know, when we asked why, I mean, he had a legitimate and valid reason. He, then he'd show us, right? Um, and when we shot that last match last year, that was the first time me down there. I remember that match being um, very simple, but uh, so simple that it was difficult. Is that the same thing that you saw this year? Yeah. So just like last year, I don't think I've ever heard anybody call this match easy. Um, it's tricky, uh, lots of positional, as always, Texas, South Texas brings the wind, um, and it's tricky wind. So I, I enjoy shooting his match. Um, it challenges me every time I'm down there and every time I go down there, I learn different things. Uh, that night I, I truly enjoyed Jacob and Lisa, but they're, they're great people. 
Um, and, you know, every time I go back to Texas, it's kind of a, a mini reunion. Keeley's from down that way. We have lots of friends from down that way, and we just enjoy hanging out with all our friends. So, what were um, what were some of the things that you prepared for? Um, because you've been in this match before, what were some of the things that you prepared for yourself going into this match, uh, and what were the some of the things uh, you took away? So, I did a lot of uh, positional practice. Uh, we have a two-two-three trainer that we don't have a break on to try and get some recoil out of it, but it's, um, supported. Positional. Sorry. The reason why I asked positional, because, um, when I, when I hear positional, I always think first unsupported. So supported positional or. Yeah. Supported positional. Okay. And you know, I was going to get to that at the end, but I really, really, really wish I'd have worked on sling positional unsupported because it kicked my butt and, uh, a little pissed off about it because I dropped a lot of points on that stage that I shouldn't have. And it really made the difference in my placement. But yeah, I worked on a lot of positional supported, um, small targets, uh, quick part-times. And I practiced a lot of mag changes because, you know, everybody knows when you go to Jacobs, uh, rifles only match, you're going to be doing mag changes. So, um, I've always been somewhat comfortable with the mag changes. Yeah. It was sort of new to Keeley and at first, it took her a little while to get into it, but afterwards, she she talked about it. She's like, "I don't understand why it was a big deal. It seemed natural." So, well, I've I've talked about it before. Is you know, mag changes um, are you know just as important to pistol shooters and AR shooters. So why can't it be important to us? You know, um, I think maybe you know long range shooters are worried about burning out their barrels, which is which is valid, right? So we don't want to shoot any more any more than ten to twelve rounds per stage. You know, but still, I think, especially for going back to that uh, sniper um, out there that's listening to this, it's like when you've got a target-rich environment and there's no such thing as a round count, right? Like, have you practiced your mag changes? So, you know, that's some of the things that hopefully um, the guys that are listening to this on the sniper side of the house that you you have next time you guys are go out to the range that, you know, you throw a couple mag changes and stuff like that. Um, and I think I remember moving from a one barricade to another you had to have your magazine out, correct? That's correct. Every positional move that you do, you have to swap a mag or at least drop it, move, and then reinsert it. Did you have multiple mags or did you just usually use the same mag? Oh, I had to have multiple mags. So he's got some high round count stages. You definitely need multiple mags. Um, Nico Detour actually had a, a 15 round mag. I had not seen that before. So he got away with some stuff on a couple stages. Uh, wily little guy. Anyway. Yeah, so the mag changes for sure. How do you how do you think you did? Um, what did you end up placing? So I ended up nineteenth. Um, a little disappointed in the finish. I feel like I could have shot uh, way better. But again, like I said, it's all part of the process. You know, every every match I go to, I learn and I come away a little bit better. Uh, last year down there, I placed a little bit better. I think I came in tied for eleventh. I want to say. Where where did you come in that match? <laughs> I definitely was not in the top 20. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm actually looking at it right now. Cause I was, trying to, I was like, did you fate? Did you finish better than you did last year? Um, no, I finished worse this year than last year. Um, but last year was a good time too. We had kind of that epic road trip, you know, Arizona hung out in Vegas and met our yeah. families and stuff like that. And then pivoted down there to Texas. So it was a good time. Um, again, I just, I just enjoy shooting down there, man. I love Texas and, you know, getting down to South Texas in uh, late February and leaving the cold Pacific Northwest for a little bit is not a bad thing either. Um, 
and, and, and again, this is a, a plug for Jacob Bynum, completely unrequested. Uh, I don't even know, know if he'll listen to my podcast, but Jacob is a sh- straight OG. And if you're really looking for someone to um, uh, go over the fundamentals with you, that's the class to go to. Um, and I, and I, and I even stress that in my Gunworks Long University courses, one thing that you'll always hear Kaylin and I say is go out and, and, and sh- train with other people. You know what I mean? Um, I, you know, I, we appreciate if you want to continue to train with us, but sometimes instructors have just everyone instructors differently and everyone is able to, um, say the same thing in a different manner. You know what I mean? Um, and you know, Jacob is a, is, is awesome. Um, I think, uh, two or three of my students already from Gunworks have texted me, uh, Lindy texted me. He's like, Hey, I've got one of your students down here. Um, and you know, we've got, we just re- refined a couple things like, you know, keeping his, um, follow through and stuff like that and not slapping the trigger, but well, that he's good to go. So I, yeah, I appreciate hearing feedback like that, but absolutely. You know, if you're, if you're looking for training down in South Texas, um, you know, check out, uh, uh the rifles only courses that he has. And, um, you know, you'll, you'll, uh, truly enjoy the venue. One of these days, um, I'll definitely have uh, myself and uh, a really good buddy of mine in the Marine Corps still, Gunny uh, Solowinski, um, and I would like to talk to him about our rifles only experience. And he's he's got some stories about uh, old um, Corporal Philip Vallejo and um, some of the things that he did down there. But cool. Um, how did uh, Keely end up finishing? Uh, so she was shooting really well. Uh, and then the end of day two, she just had kind of a, a lapse, um, you know, and I think she's probably better qualified to tell this story, but she dropped a ton of points on last, I want to say two stages because she forgotten to eat and, you know, hadn't been drinking much water and just got just mentally fatigued and just dropped a ton of points. So she was a little disappointed too, but man, for three quarters of the match watching her shoot, I was like a little concerned. I was like, man, I better get on my A game here because she's, you know, crushing it. Like she smoked me on the positional stage, which also irritated me quite a little bit. But yeah, she shot great. Um, I don't think it was the finish she wanted, but, you know, she still finished in the top half. She came in like 41st, I want to say like that. So top 50% in a national match, and which is, you know, not bad at all. She's she is progressing rapidly and she's only been doing this. I think she took her first class or she shot her first match last year. So, Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know. I, I know she's been shooting um, for a while. Uh, I think cause you took her to the second, second class, right. That you went to with Kaylin. Yeah. But she didn't really pick up a rifle again. So we got up here. In okay. 20, you know, I can't remember when I got here uh, late 2015, but I, I don't think she picked up a rifle for like 2017. Yeah, and and um, you know as much as anything that obviously I want her to beat you one of these days because uh, you're not even I, 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 you I don't even hide it, dude. Like you don't, you're not even shy about it at all. Like it's hurtful. <laughs> uh, uh, I I invest a little bit uh, of time, you know, critiquing and coaching Keely. Um, her coming out here for my match and and uh, you know maybe some uh, some videos and stuff like that. Um, but no, I I definitely appreciate your guys's friendship and uh keely is super super motivated uh to get into it and um for me as an instructor um what i enjoy teaching her is again um 
because she, uh, she is a female is some of the physical challenges that she has compared to a male. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah. for me as an instructor, for everyone that's listening, it's like, well, why, why do you train females? Well, for, for me, again, trying to figure out how to grow as an instructor. Okay. Now I need to figure out how I can work in the, um, uh, confinements of what Keely has. Cause I mean, not only is she's a female, but she's, um, a lot shorter, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, standing barricades and stuff like that. It's a disadvantage for her. Uh, so trying to figure out ways for her to essentially adapt and, and overcome, um, is, is a challenge for me. And that's, that's a, a challenge that I, I uh, definitely like taking on. So, um, one thing I wanted to talk to you and we, we have these discussions all the time, Mike is, uh, you know, kind of the, the mental aspect of, of, uh, you know, competitive shooting. And, um, I know you've got a very, uh, strong, uh, competitive golf background. Um, and sure. one thing I, I like to talk to you about is how both of them kind of tie together. You know what I mean? A, a book that I have yet to read that you always recommend is, um, Game, uh, game is not a goal. I was gonna say, <laughs> dude, I'm so dyslexic sometimes. <laughs> uh, golf is not a game of perfect, and That's I think correct. I think that you can take golf out and put, you know, precision rifle shooting is not a game of perfect. Same thing, right? Yeah. Um, so can you share with us, you know, some of your um, when you're getting ready to go to a match, you know, kind of what you're telling yourself mentally, and 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 then during the match, right? Kind of what what's going on in your head. I don't know if I could like lay it out specifically or, you know, I do this on a way to a match. I think I just try to relax, um, focus on what my goals are, focus on the, uh, the positive pressure by positive pressure, meaning like every time you go to a match, you have an opportunity to do well. Um, some guys have approached matches with the, Oh, I hope I, you know, don't fall below this, or I hope I at least come in this. Um, and I think it's a little bit of like negative um, thinking, right? So I'm not a psychiatrist. Uh, I just, sports psychology has fascinated me. I do come from a competitive golfing background. When you talk about competitive golf, the field of competitive golf is massive. Like you cannot compare the size of precision rifle shooting and competitive golf in the United States. Um, and at a competitive golfing level, everybody has a good swing. Everybody has a good putter. Everybody plays well. What separates kind of the, the winners from the also rans in competitive golf is the mental side of the game. And I didn't realize that until I became a good golfer. And so precision rifle is very similar. So, you know, the, if you're looking at your, your pyramid of success or however terminology you want to use it, of course you have to master the physical fundamental acts of shooting. You have to have a good position, a good trigger press like all those things. If you're worried about how to build a position and how to, you know, press the trigger that you're not really ready for the, the mental side of the game other than to be, be, I would say relaxed with yourself and not beat yourself down when you don't do well. So you still gotta be positive. But what I'm saying is, is, you know, the, the guys that exist at the top of the sport, the guys that I'm constantly chasing, they're all fundamentally good. They're all great shooters. So what separates somebody on any given day? It's generally mental frame of mind. Um, yes, there's some environmental stuff on wind, but it's how they respond to a miss, uh, how, they, how they can pick themselves up and move on to the next stage and clean it. 
I mean, I can't count the number of times I've seen a guy miss a single shot that he feels like he should have had. And then the rest of his day, three or four stages all go super terrible because he's still beating himself up about that last shot. So, you know, it's an old golf adage that uh, the best golfers have short memories. So, you know, the, you go out, you have a bad hole, and then you, you got to brush it off because it's done, man. That, that bullet has left the barrel. You can't get it back. It is what it is. But the only thing you control is your next shot. So don't focus on the last shot. Um, so a lot of, like, those mental things are what I think of. Um, you know, every morning, uh, this is, I think, a – I'm paraphrasing here, but out of that book, it's like the beauty of free will, which we as human beings have, is that every morning, every day, every match, however you want to phrase it, you get to decide what kind of day you're going to have. Are you going to approach it with, man, this is an opportunity to come out here and show my stuff and shoot well? Or are you, you know, upset about whatever prior to, are you letting stuff bleed over into your shooting? So that's kind of the stuff I've been working on. Of course, I'm still working on fundamentals because I haven't completely mastered that stuff either. I don't know if you could say you ever truly have, but it, it's some of the stuff I've been working on. So I, I think we kind of complement each other in, in, in the fact that, you know, uh, you reach out to me for training ideas and, um, you know, I, I plug you uh, for the uh, no homo. I plug you for the mental side of the house, uh, you know, uh, because, you know, even though you would consider me, uh, your, your teacher or whatever long range, I think, um, the relationship goes both ways, if that makes sense. Sure. It's of course. And definitely something I, I appreciate, um, with you, uh, especially Kalen. Um, and, and we've only known each other since 2018, October is when we shot, shot our first match over there at Rock Lake. And, um, I mean, I fell in love with you guys and you guys are I would consider family now. The two things I wrote down uh, as you were talking is uh, how top level shooters respond to a miss, which is awesome. And uh, two, the only, uh, we say this a lot in the Marine Corps um, during cyber school, is uh, the only shot that matters is the next one that you shoot downrange. Sure. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, I usually battle that with, you know, the very, the uh, I would say the second most important shot after that is the very first shot that you open up with, you know yeah. what I mean? Because it tells you, it tells you a lot, it tells you a, a story, you know, it tells you a story of how well your position was. Uh, and it also tells you a story of what the wind is doing downrange, right? Of, of whatever your uh, estimating wind call. And it also tells you the story if you're gun is tracking, you know what I mean? Those three things. I always tell shooters, you know, um, to always pay attention, you know, obviously, um, to, you know, and only worry about the, the next shot down range if you miss or whatever, because that's the only one that matters. But truly, you know, when you're opening up um, a, a stage or whatever the case is like that, that, that first shot that you always take, I mean, I, I would say is the second next most important shot that you take. You know, and I think another lesson I had to learn the hard way, like I am uh, a good buddy of mine, Matt Medeiros says the best lessons in life are either painful or expensive. And <laughs> I don't know how many times I've learned, like I've missed a shot. I've been pissed off about it, missed another shot or, or didn't shoot as well on the next stage. And then at the end of the two day match, I'll look at the scores and like one shot kept me out of the top 10 or out of the top 20 or whatever. Like if you look at rifles only this year, there was a five way tie for second place. One shot would have moved you from, you know, fifth 
or I'm sorry, that would have been sixth, sixth all the way up to two. Second, yeah. You know, um, just one shot, every point matters. So focusing on not letting that last shot get to me and work on the next because, I, man, I'm not perfect. Like just because I can quote this stuff doesn't mean I've mastered it. Like I'm not some sort of Zen master. I'm a human being. I'm imperfect. I'm trying. But I do know that this is important, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I, um, I've been getting the question a lot on my um, Instagram and, and stuff like that. It's, uh, hey, you know, Kalen and Phil, um, I appreciate all the insight and stuff like that. Um, and this is, again, more for the competitive side of the house, like we talked about in the beginning of our podcast. Um, hey, can you talk a little bit more about the mental aspect? And that's kind of one I wanted to bring you on. You know what I mean? Obviously, a little bit no about Mike, but also hear from one of our students, kind of his success along the way and his journey to, you know, um, his journey on the pursuit of becoming, again, a top level finisher. Cause that's, I mean, that's your end goal. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. um, so, you know, that's good. You have something to strive for. Um, you know, and again, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're, you're not that co- competitive shooter and stuff like that, like the mental side of the house is key in anything that you do in the aspects of life. And I, and again, I hope that you're, when you're listening to this podcast, um, not only are you receiving the technical information from Kaylin and I, but, you understand that we want to put mindfulness behind that rifle and understanding that, you know, and nothing that Kaylin and I do is, or we want our um, audience to do is average, right? Like showing up is not enough. You should always excel to the best of your ability in any event that you, you event, you know, um, even in your daily life. So yeah, that, that's kind of my, my spiel on that. You know, hopefully, you know, especially the guys that are listening is like, Oh, this just talking about the competitive mindset. I'm not really, you know, competitive. I'm just, the guy that wants to shoot long range. It's like, okay, I get that. But, you know, ask yourself what, I mean, there's something out there that drives you to, you know, be better than normal. You know, hopefully that's why you're listening to this podcast, right? Um, as much as we want to educate you on the art of long range shooting, being a sniper is just much more than that. You know, uh, a, a, a phrase that we went by in the cyber community was everything is a competition, right? Um, so, Every day as we were pigs, again, for those that are listening for the first time, pig stands for professionally instructed gunman. It's a Marine sniper or it's a Marine and a sniper community that hasn't been through school. Um, you know, we're day in and day out battling each other uh, to who gets the next uh, school slot to, to uh, go to school and become hogs, um, which stands for a hunter of gunmen. So, um, you know, mental plays in a lot of that. And, and uh, you know, that's why I wanted to make sure I brought that up so that again, other people in the audience that aren't, you know, competitors, you know, can understand, you know, why I think mental, uh, the mental side of the house is important. So, um, a couple more questions for you, um, you know, cause we're coming up here on, on, uh, on, on the hour, um, if we're not there already, but, uh, you know, you're currently at the, at the local level, you know, would you consider yourself, a, I would consider you a top level shooter, but how about yourself? Would you consider yourself a top level shooter at the, at the local level? Yeah, I would say, you know, at the local level, I consistently finish well and, you know, I've got some wins and a lot of podium finishes. And, you know, I think I took third last year overall in the Northwest in the, in the regional series. Um, obviously the national level is a completely different ball game. Um, you know, so working on that. Yeah. 
what are your what are some of your goals um i guess how active are you going to be this year in the local versus the national so i'm probably not going to be as active locally as i was last year just from sheer a sheer time aspect i have a pretty demanding job that um i don't have that predictable of a schedule so i'm always working um <coughs> sorry i have a little bit of a cough it's not coronavirus i swear uh nationally um i'm going to be very active so very busy uh i penciled out a bunch of matches uh you know i had some goals last year my goals last year were fairly simple i wanted to qualify for both the prs championship and the nrl championship and i met both of those goals but i feel like i underperformed at both of those events which led to you know what i worked on during the off season and then this year i have much much higher goals and more established goals do you think right now you're um, you're still trying to work your way through um, performance issues or mental issues? Uh, I would say, it's, I mean, it's a combination of both. Both of those things are so intertwined. Your mental performance and your competition performance are, are just directly connected. Um, and I think it's hard to separate those two things into two different events. I would say if I had to self-analyze, I am not consistent enough to say I am a top level shooter yet. Um, I have these, this sine wave where, you know, I have some top 10 finishes, um, or actually, yeah, night four CLR last year, I think was my best finish. It was, I think 171 shooters and I tied for ninth and I'd love that match. And so definitely a highlight on my calendar year. Uh, but then I've had some terrible performances too, man. Like Idaho last year, I think I was like 71st or something like that. Um, so there's this, this up and down that I need to smooth out. And that's what I'm working on this year. So as disappointed as I am with rifles only uh, being 19th, it's still a top 20 finish in a national match. And I don't think that's anything to, to downplay. And it's just about building off of that and being more consistent inside that top 20 and putting yourself in a position. So I hear, um, again, I get this, I probably said it like eight, nine times on this podcast. I have a lot of things that I get a lot of questions on, but a question that I'm sure you get all a lot is, um, you know, do you have to be a, you know, top level competitor to be a sponsored shooter? Right. Um, yeah, know, I've, I've, I've got, I've got questions all the time. Like, Hey, you know, um, I, I'm looking to, you know, help blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, what, what does it take to get sponsored? And, um, we've talked about the performance aspect of it, right? Um, you know, the, the guys that are up there cons consistently at the top, Jake Faber, John Pinch, um, you know, Matt Brousseau, um, you know, I'm trying to think of guys that are uh, not in the industry. Um, Preston. Uh, yeah, Dave Preston, right? So, you know, they... Streeter, all those Oklahoma boys. Yeah, I mean, they are obviously they're supported by really great companies. They're top performers. Um, but there are also a lot of shooters, um, that wear jerseys and, and are great ambassadors to the sport that, you know, don't finish in the top, you know, 10 to 20 consistently. Um, so what is your, what is your advice? My question to you is what are your ad advice to those guys that ask those questions? Like, you know, what, is, what does it take to be, to be a sponsored shooter? Uh, well, I would say, so I, I see your secret motivation now and having me on, like, how do I express to people how you'd be a terrible shooter and still have sponsors like Mike? <laughs> um, well, I think it really comes down to just being a good person, man. It's about relationships. Like if you're the kind of guy 
shoots a stage and it doesn't go well and you're like throwing gear and arguing with an RO and all that, you could probably win national matches and still not be sponsored. Like it's, it really comes down to relationships. So I got my break into it um, by having a personal relationship with Matt Yore at Sawtooth Rifles. And then collectively Sawtooth Rifles uh, had some relationships with people in the industry. And then when I would meet and talk to these people at matches, um, they, you know, for whatever reason, they liked me or thought that I would be a good representative of their brand. Uh, nobody is sponsoring me for podium finishes, I hope, because they're not getting a good return on their investment, if that's the case. What they sponsor me is to be a good representative of the brand, to be able to, you know, speak from an educated standpoint on the products I'm using and why I use them. Um, it's not, yeah, it's not about performance. It's about who you are, your character, and your your personal skills. Um, I'm going to get a little personal here uh, just because, again, uh, this is my podcast, and um, I think it's important for everyone listening to know that um, I guess the more you are in the limelight, I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm uh, so we're, uh, is, that, is that vulnerable, the correct word, to, uh, to my audience? Is that, would that be the right word? What word? Vulnerable. Vulnerable, yeah, I would yeah. say so. Um, and, you know, talking about being a good person, I mean, this is how such a good person you are, Mike, you know, not blowing you up here um, or no homo. But, uh, and again, the reason why I love the shooting sport so much is, again, um, uh, some of the, the challenges I'm facing right now in my personal life uh, of being a, a single father uh, by myself in here in Cody, Wyoming is how to still manage the daily tasks of, um, you know, my professional life as a gunworks instructor and then, you know, being, um, you know, Philip Vallejo, the competitor and also being uh, Philip Vallejo, the dad. Right. And one of the things again, and, and you and I met through the shooting community, right? Sure. But yet now I consider you a close friend and a mentor because you've guided me through, your experiences of, of and challenges that you faced uh, when you're kind of going through what I'm, I'm going through now. Um, and, uh, and, and again, I appreciate you. And, and again, th that is why I, I will always be an advocate for this sport. I mean, you, you never know who you're going to meet. You never know who's going to change your life uh, and help you and guide you through the way, not in just shooting. You know what I mean? In, I have in, never in met a personal. community that's more giving than this community. And so like, you know, when I talk about golf or whatever, outside of the military community that I'm a part of now, like I, for example, I called a buddy the other day. I was like, hey man, like I'm down a scope. Can I borrow a scope uh, to go train with? I mean, the guy without hesitation, he's like, here's two $3,000 optics. I was like, you know, I don't want to beat them up bad. He's like, use them, man. They're, use them. Like, I don't know any other sport that would be that way. I've never seen a sport where you show up and guys will give you, they'll let you shoot your, their rifles for Christ's sake with their own hand loaded ammo that they spent hours and hours making. Like it's, it's incredible. And that is the biggest driver in this community. Like, you know, even if I never achieve my goals of being a top level shooter, I never get to the, you know, number one in the nation or whatever, I'm still going to go to matches and hang out with genuine dudes and have, and, and women and have laughs and share beers afterwards. It's like one of my big regrets from Rifles Only is that I didn't get to hang around 
after the match for very long for kind of the after party and hanging out with all those people yeah. because I had to get up to San Antonio to hang out with some, some other close family friends um, from the military. So, I mean, I, I don't regret seeing them, but at the same time, I, I missed kind of the, the reason why I go to these competitions. It's not, yeah. all, not all about trophies and, you know, prize table walks or whatever. Yeah, no, cool. I, I definitely, uh, again, I appreciate you. Appreciate Keely. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that there's a reason why you're sponsored. Um, and, uh, you know, you're a great ambassador to the, uh, the shooting industry um, and to your sponsors. And, you know, I'm, as again, as, as the, the rifle side of the house, as your instructor, I would say um, secondary instructor, because I would, you'd probably consider Kaylin your primary, um, which he's still in Costa Rica right now. Um, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to your success this year, man. I truly am. Um, you beat me last year. Um, although it won't happen again, deep down inside, I want you to beat me. Well, I mean, you might as well like embrace that feeling because it's going to happen a lot this year. I'm just putting that out there. It's on the podcast. Uh, Everybody's a witness. Like, you, you I, beat, I have a lot of lot of good goals last year. This year. Yeah. yeah, I have a lot of good goals this year, and uh, I'm feeling good about the way things are rolling. And uh, I think it's going to be a good year, man. As long as work does doesn't get in the way. Cool. No, I'm I'm looking forward to it. So, hey, uh, any any uh, last minute um, uh, plugs you want to give um, for those that you want to maybe follow you or reach out to you again to kind of follow your journey. Because as someone has said to me, like a lot of people always like to relate to people that are essentially on their level. You know what I mean? Um, and I think your, your journey is definitely one of those things that, you know, a lot of our audience can relate to and stuff like that. So um, do you have any uh, uh, ways for people to get a hold of you or, you know, contact you if, if you're willing to take on that burden? Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to talk about whatever I can. I'm probably always going to refer people to people that have more knowledge than I do. But, um, you know, I have an Instagram. Um, it's uh, M-I-K-A-L underscore L-L-Y. And then on Facebook, you know, Michael Lilly. And I'm friends with Phil. So if you're friends with Phil, you can go to his friends list and find me there. I'm more than happy to, uh, to pass on whatever limited knowledge I have. Um, you know, for me... And I think it's for anything The success is about enjoying the process. Like if you don't enjoy the process, you're never going to have success at the end. If you're the kind of guy that hates going to practice, that hates, you know, doing stuff that they suck at, then you're, you're not going to be successful. So I'm all about enjoying the process and helping other people enjoy the process to get to success. And hopefully one day we can have another podcast where we can talk about what I use to get to the top after I'm at the top. Yeah. I think that'd be a great podcast when not, it's not about um, if it's about when, you know, when that's going to happen, especially with your drive. So again, Mike, thanks for uh, uh, taking your time uh, today. Um, I think this was a, a super awesome podcast, a, a, you know, from start to finish. Um, and uh, if we're being transparent here, or transparent is the word. If we're being transparent here, this is our second go out of it because our first one was a train wreck. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad. We were super late <laughs> at night. We're tired. Um, um, yeah, man, I, I enjoyed coming on. It's, you know, it's, it's been so hard for me to not take jabs at Kaling because I know he's sitting on a beach getting tan right now. And uh, we're up here in, in the cold. I know it's cold in Wyoming. Um, I just have to take solace in the fact that I'm, not a Marine Corps scout sniper. I made better life choices and I'll just have to live with that. Oh God. 
That's funny. Uh, I told I told Kellen if he doesn't come back darker than me, then we're gonna have some serious issues. I don't know, man. He's a pretty white dude. Uh, so cool. Um, hey guys, uh, thanks for listening in. Um, you know, we appreciate I appreciate the comments. Uh, I'm sure you know you guys are gonna blow us up after this, which is fine. Um, but you know, plug plug Mike, especially if you're in the Pacific Northwest area. If you see us at a match, if you see Mike at a match, uh, introduce yourself to him. Uh, he's a super cool dude, especially again if you're on the. Um, um, or if you're on the side of, of looking for a chassis, MDTs are great chassis. Everyone knows I'm a KRG guys, but if you have a question on, uh, you know, maybe getting into the MDT side of the house, uh, Mike's definitely your guy. Uh, so if you're at a match and you see Mike, uh, at, you know, um, he was more than welcome, I'm sure to, uh, uh, have you check his rifle out. So, all right, guys, uh, until next time, Mike, thanks again, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me, bro. Yeah. Keep facing again, guys. Later. <laughs>